I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. Welcome to another episode of Astro Radio Z. As always, I'm your host, Derek Carey. And a long time ago, in a galaxy far, 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 fart away, five guys decided to get together, break the mold of a cult exploitation film podcast, and basically come out and say, yeah, we're dorks too. We watch Star Wars. Everybody watches Star Wars. We don't just sit around watching titty flicks, watching fucking movies where dudes rummage around in open chest cavities. We don't just watch lesbian vampire movies. We watch pew pew movies as well. So because every single last person in the face of the planet has been doing nothing but watching and talking about and trying to contain themselves about talking about Star Wars... We're just going to get it all out tonight and uh, allow you to sit and listen to us. And I'm quite excited about doing this because it's all I've done for the last fucking week is watch Star Wars. So I brought on, of course, I brought on the man, the myth, the legend, my right hand man, the frou-frou drink king of Wisconsin, Mr. Mark the Movie Man onto the podcast, which not only is are we going to be talking about Star Wars tonight on his sister podcast, The Spoiler Room or brother podcast, or father podcast, or I don't know, bastard son, bastard son, <laughs> a bastard son of a thousand mothers um, podcast, the spoiler room, will be going way in depth into The Force Awakens. Oh, wait, I shouldn't say that. That's a spoiler. Wait, no, you can say this. <laughs> um, we're going to do, do a big podcast about just that movie uh, tomorrow night, but uh, we're going to be talking about it tonight here. So, Mark, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. A huge Star Wars fan. I've got my Not Your Father's Root Beer here because I'm hitting it hard tonight. Not no fruit fruit drink for me. 
And uh, yeah, let's get this going. Oh man, I don't know. I I mean it, that's that's up for debate. Is could a hard root beer be considered hard alcohol, or is that still a fruit fruit drink? <laughs> I I don't know. I'll leave that up to the public to decide. All right. That's what I'm yeah. drinking tonight. So all right. I think once it touches Mark's hands, it's a fruit fruit drink. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I'm along with you. And of course, you just heard this glorious bastard, Mr. Glenn Bittner of the B-Movie Bunker. He's on as always. How you doing, sir? I'm doing, I'm surviving. What's, what's wrong with your holiday season? That's why I'm surviving. Oh, has it been hitting you pretty hard? It's just long hours. Not a ton of assholes this season? No, I, I sell games, man. I don't get many assholes. I self I sell fun. So you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? Glenn Bittner, it's official. He sells fun, people. What what that means, I don't quite know, but I, I'm sure if you contacted him via Facebook, he could tell you at length. Of course, next to him, I know him quite well, and fans of uh, our new film, Hole in the Wall, will know him quite extensively <laughs> in and out. Mr. Greg Johnson, writer, director, actor has come on because he's gone out and seen The Force Awakens about 15 times this weekend. So he's here to sit and talk about some Star Wars. Sir, it is always wonderful to hear your voice and to see you. Seems how you haven't been on Astro Radio Z since episode one. Welcome this back. Is true. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yep, it's true. I just got back from a screening of a certain film. We might talk about it later. Maybe not. Spoilers, yeah. spoilers, yeah. Greg. No Don't spoilers. Talk about spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> are you about are you about ready to strangle anyone that sits and bitches about spoilers? Spoilers on, on Facebook. Uh, yep. This is the age we live in. We live in an age of tippy toes, folks. Tippy toe around people on the internet. You have phones. People want to sit and talk. Now everyone's got a tippy toe. Otherwise, they'll virtually get lynched you don't want to get the virtual lynching folks the virtual lynching that's tough or in some towns you'll get literally beat down (laughs) yeah you'll get the beat down for for star wars well let's not beat down my last guest folks mr dan he is a composer for a full moon movies i mean i'm very excited about this and he's also a part of the tangent bound network uh series of podcasts he runs the podcast called the night keep dan how are you doing tonight well i'm pretty happy pretty excited and uh well actually i just man i saw star wars we got a new star wars i mean i feel like bib fortuna is about to bust out in some freestyle beatbox rapping you know what i'm saying you talk about the no walk out the moon yeah yeah i'm excited you just made me have flashbacks I don't know if they, were, if they were good ones or if they were bad ones. I don't know if it was the, the, the purple tablet or the red tablet, but it was a flashback nonetheless. <laughs> well, here we are, folks. Star Wars. We all went and saw it, um, but we're not going to talk about it. Yeah, the spoilers, spoilers. Um, but uh, let's go down the, the line here and let's just say normally we are all exploitation film fans here on the Astro Radio Z, but I know everyone here also likes to just watch movies. Glenn, what is it about Star Wars that keeps you pew-pewing into the night? It's hard really to to put into words. I mean, it, I saw the original in the theater 
when I was six and a half years old. It is probably, I mean, I like typical, you know, boy, kid things. I like trucks and, you know, army men and stuff like that at the time, but that really set me way down the nerdy path when I saw that. I mean, then it was, you know, I had to have the Star Wars action figures, and then I just tried to devour everything sci-fi I could find. I mean, I started watching old reruns of Star Trek, and I was reading uh, Isaac Asimov and uh, Heinlein and all these sci-fi authors, and it just set me down the path that has led to me now working at a game store. <laughs> uh, <you> know, <laughs> almost 40 years later. So, it's such an integral part of, of what formed me as a young person, it really, really was. And I I, 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 I can't really sum it up properly. It's just, it's, it's just so ingrained in my, in the essence of my being. It's been such a, a part of our culture and because all of us are on the same age for our entire lives. I mean, I was born in 77. Star Wars was already a thing. So, I mean, it's been around my entire life. I guess I never really thought of it as being kind of like a geek thing. I just thought of it being a cool thing that boys were into. I mean, I had like, just like you, I had all the toys. I had, I had uh, bed sheets of Empire Strikes Back. I, I, I dressed up as uh, Darth Vader as a kid for Halloween. Um, Dan, I mean, did you ever think of it being a geek thing until much later when you were growing up with Star Wars? Oh, no. I mean, it was eponymous. I was born in 1980. So as I was growing up, my first interest from when I can remember was always been Masters of the Universe and He-Man. And Star Wars was just a natural progression. My aunt took me now. (laughs) Okay, full disclosure. I'll go ahead and admit it because I was young and didn't know at the time. But my aunt had a double, she had a dual VCR. And we were walking around Circuit City. So this will give you the time and place and the date. I'll go ahead and date myself, carbon dating, and uh, (laughs) in Circuit City. And I saw uh, the Snowspeeders on the TV. And I was like, what's that? And I said, well, that's Empire Strikes Back. And so what is that? And said, well, you know, the new one came out, Return of the Jedi. And I was like, what's a Jedi? So my aunt went, rented all three of them, copied them on a VCR and gave it to me. I still have that VCR tape to this day. I still own that thing. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it was never, I mean, it, maybe it was geeky. I don't know. I was such an introvert. It didn't matter. It was ingrained in it. Like you say, it was everywhere. I mean, hell you watched Muppet babies, that cartoon as a kid, they were constantly showing star Wars clips in their little adventures and stuff. And I just, it just, you know, grew up with it. Wasn't ever anything out. The only ouster was in about my rebellious teenage years. It, it ended up being kind of like the uh, the outsiders, only more acne because it was the Trekkies versus the Star Wars people. But that was it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I've always been a huge Star Trek fan. Uh, I love Star Trek because it's a much more philosophical type thing where Star Wars. I mean, it appeals to me because it's a much more exploitation based type thing. There's monsters. There's fights. Um, there's spaceships flying all over the place. Yeah, there's a plot and there's things going on, but you can just enjoy it for its strict exploitation roots of being a serial type thing. Uh, Greg, how did you uh, grow up and get into Star Wars? All right. So I was born in 77 as well. <clears throat> Obviously missed the first round of Star Wars in the theater, but then came along Empire. Um yeah, I mean, I was a little kid, checked it out, 
freaked out, and that was it for me. Um, I mean, you know, looking at it later on through my years, it's gimmicky. I love it, but but the archetypes are there. You know, you have the hero, you have the anti-hero, you have the quest, and that uh, later on it turned out that I guess Lucas was borrowing from uh, samurai movies. That's mm-hmm. what he wanted. So, I mean, the the structure itself is fairly easy, but the amount of heart that went into it, that's why I think that it still sticks in our minds and we give a fuck about it because there was so much heart in it. And at that point in time, still to this day, uh, the technological advancements, you know, uh, practicals continuously. We hadn't seen that at that point in time, not to that extreme. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's a it, the, at least with the original trilogy, and we'll talk about this later once we get it finally into the films. Is that there was a simplicity that was the backbone of these films that allowed that this expansive world with all these wonderful monsters and all these insanely like dense like worlds that were all over the place allowed it to all reside and be in be one um, congruous thing because there was such a simple story going on that all this other stuff could just kind of populate it and you still understood what was all going on in it where star trek it was a week-to-week show and it, it, it could literally build those worlds slowly but surely where star wars it was it was like this big, massive thing in an, in two in a two-hour time frame. But I, mean, <laughs> I think, it's, in a sense, it's like easily. Whereas Star Trek is, as you said, it's more philosophical. It's more. I mean, I'm using my little quotey fingers here. It's more intellectual. Whereas, I mean, and then you also said Star Wars. It's accessible. It's fun. It's. I mean, it's a space opera. It's high fantasy. It's sword and sorcery with lasers. Mm-hmm. Is You've got an over I mean, it's like professional wrestling in an intergalactic scale, essentially, because yeah. as you say, you've got the, the big thing. You've got the NWO versus the Wolfpack at any given time. You know, you've got the Undertaker versus Hogan and his stuff going on, depending on what decade of wrestling you prefer. <laughs> but you know that all this is going on. However, you can still have a job match. In between, you know, you got your curtain jerk match and stuff, and that's Star Wars. You can, you've got, you know, Luke has to find Vader, but you're given all these visual cues that your brain can just run off for a little while and think about, well, where did this ship come from? Why is this alien here? Some of those expanded books, you know, like Tales from Jabba's Palace and Tales from My Size of Cantina that focus on each individual alien and tell a whole story as to why they ended up at the cantina at that particular time. It just, the way it just expanded and i mean you know with star trek it just kind of as you said it's a weekly format just wham bam what's the planet's problem here okay we can't do that so let's run a computer program and solve the problem cool done we'll see you next week and it you know, <laughs> with, with star wars it just you know, i'm not trying to at all bash star trek i'm just saying with star wars it just lends a little bit more of the fantastical at least to my imagination is what right no i agree with you i agree with you totally mark how did you how'd you uh become such a super fan of uh, star wars like everyone else on the face of the planet well i it was the first film my parents took me to i was two and a half years old 
So I don't remember much about it, but as the legend goes from my parents is they were, they had just potty trained me at that time. And they said, this was the first movie in the theater that they took me to. And they said they had to force me halfway through the film. They had to literally remove me from the chair and take me to the bathroom to make sure I didn't pee myself. Cause they said I was so entranced on the film that I didn't move. I just watched nice. and, and, and growing up, growing up, in those impressionable years in the 80s, Star Wars was that was the thing. It 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 wasn't a geek thing. It was it was that was what you were into because you know, I remember Christmas, I got the special box that had all the aliens from it had a 12 unique aliens not released before from Return of the Jedi. It was around the time Jedi came out. And I had that box set. And that was like one of the best Christmas gifts I ever got. In fact, I still have those action figures over here. Some of them are, are a little worse for wear. Uh, mm. but, but I mean, growing up during that time, it worked itself so much into the culture. And I think it's something, and yes, this is the get off my lawn moment. I don't care. Um, I think it's something that's missed nowadays a little bit more with the youth because even though they can be into Star Wars, there's so many other things worked into the pop culture. People don't, I don't think, realize that you didn't have many big, epic, scoped type of things like Star Wars back then. There, your your blockbusters were few and far between. I mean, there was only one or two maybe event movies a summer versus now there's one every weekend <laughs> right and there's also we're we're, ta we're talking 20 30 years removed here at this point where star wars has been built into this thing that's so firmly ingrained in the culture there's so much um like merchandise attached to it that i, I guess a lot of people don't understand like when we grew up as it was just coming out like you said, there wasn't much that was like this. And no. it just, you know, that I had all those toys. I had the C-3PO case where you mm -hmm. opened it up and all the all the figures were in there. And I had the oh, Dagobah, uh, a little little set where you could, the foam rubber <laughs> thing, you could push uh, Luke or yeah. whoever down through the, uh, the, the quicksand and, and all I mean, that shit. My my dad's buddy, his son was heavy into Star Wars, and he had everything. He had the Death Star playset, which I didn't even know exists till I went to his basement one day, and he was showing me all the Star Wars toys. It was this Death Star, which had the the trash compactor and had the jail cell, and it had a, a one of the guns on it. He had that. He had the Falcon. He had like all the unique stuff there. Uh, the Cantina playset. I mean. I think I think the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars was Star Wars never bothered to explain. And I just stuck to the movies. OK, I did read one or two of the books. I wasn't huge into the expanded yeah, universe. So and if some people think that doesn't make me a fan, well, fuck you, because it does. To me. <laughs> The, the movies. The, well, I mean, I I don't. Mark's really calling you out, motherfuckers. Mark's but, calling you but, out. But for me, the movies were enough because the movies sparked my imagination, and I had so many different adventures with the action figures after they came out. You know, for the movies and expanded the storylines myself in that. Uh, you know, but I think it was scope. Star Wars, not. No one, I don't think, really had done, even with Star Trek, had done that type of scope of world building before. Yes, the story by itself is simple. These characters 
are your kind of stereotypical type of characters. So he took cliche stuff and he just put it in this massive world and didn't bother explaining shit about it. I mean, it, this is what it is. Jedis have lightsabers. Okay, how does this lightsaber work? Who cares? You got a guy with a lightsaber. <laughs> they, they turn it on and they fight. I mean, it wasn't until Expanded Universe and books came out later it got explained. But when you got those movies, unlike Star Trek, which always felt like it had to kind of explain things, Star Wars didn't. There's this alien. Here he is. That's his name. There you go. <laughs> you know? He's a good or bad? He's a good guy. Okay, cool. <laughs> and, and I think that was part of the appeal is the fact that it was written on a level that everyone could accept it. You didn't feel people. I don't think felt like a geek watching the Star Wars films because they didn't feel like geeky films. They felt like fantasy adventure films. films. Adventure films. Yeah, adventure you know, fantasy, there's not yeah. a whole lot of science in it. There's not a whole lot of that. I mean, we can we can dig into when we dig into the movies, the mystical part in that. But on the whole, when you watched them, anybody could watch them, sit down, feel comfortable with them, and you never felt like the movie was thinking you were dumb. Whereas Star Trek, in all honesty, uh, it, it gets a little heady at times or tries to explain itself maybe a little too much, uh, which I think uh, it turned some people away and put it more in the geek realm, whereas Star Wars, it appealed to everyone, you know? Well, Star, like I said, Star Trek was a much more philosophical-based show. It was, it was trying to make allegories about everyday life in a fantastical situation where Star Wars was just trying to tell adventure stories. You know, it's just supposed to be dudes swinging around, shooting at each other and having sword fights and 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 there's fantastical monsters and this and that. It's supposed to be a simple type thing now. And like, I love that you said that, you know what, they didn't explain anything. Well, guess what? George Lucas decided to ruin all of that and make prequel movies that had to explain away every last thing so what we're doing tonight folks is we're going to go through every single one of the films now we're not going to do it in the in the order that they were made we're going to do it in the order that they are supposedly supposed to take place in so in a very unnatural way we're going to start by talking about episode one the phantom menace story of a bunch of trade about a trade dispute in which two jedis uh get get caught in some shenanigans get marooned on a desert planet and end up finding one little boy who can change the face of the galaxy dan what was your first initial thoughts when when uh, George Lucas announced after the special editions that uh, he was making new films and then he came out with The Phantom Menace? Uh, initial thought, I shat myself. Um, 
this again coming from just a hopelessly introverted nerd as a kid growing up i was already knee deep into the west end games star wars role-playing game universe i mean dungeons and dragons tabletops you name it that was it buddy so we announced finally announced episode one and i am excited because i apparently have been called out because i was reading the expanded universe books and and not from a sense that i was like better than anybody else just i couldn't get enough of these you were just interested you just wanted to keep knowing more about oh you wanted to dig deeper source books all stuff like that i mean i don't take offense at that but i mean that was no i i I just didn't mean that because there's people who read the books and that and read all the books and then if i say that i only watch the movies i've been called out before saying well you're are you really you're not really a fan then if you didn't read the books i tell them to go fuck themselves that's what i did come and talk okay (laughs) that's where i was going with that no i didn't Dude, there's only so much time in a day. There's only so much time in a day. We have lives. I can't read every comic book. I can't play every video game. I can't read every 400-page fucking Star Wars novel and schematic book that's out there. So if I haven't read those... Yeah, oh, wow. this when the movies got announced, when they announced that episode one, like I said, I mean, it, it was nothing but defecation in Daniel's pants. <laughs> I was so excited, I was so happy finally because see, it had been rumored and hinted in the books of how Vader got the suit, and it had, you know, just reasons why what had happened. And you know, you hearken back to Jedi and Empire, and it talked, you know, Ben Kenobi talking about how they were good friends and the best starfighter pilot. You hear Leia mentions that Kenobi's general Kenobi in the Clone Wars. So my brain was balls to the wall. It was running out. It was like, oh my God, we're actually going to get to see Anakin. We're going to see Kenobi be a badass. This is going to be so cool. And then I saw it and the kid in me was happy. And then I was like, right at the see it came out of what 99 so i yeah. was still a, i had become a cynical know-it-all teenager just about to hit 20 and yeah part of me loved it and then the other part of me just hated it what the fuck is anakin like was he supposed to be jesus is he's virgin born but he's got midi chlorians now i mean you you hinted at it before you know star trek trying to explain away everything and star wars just left things fantastical and to me that is the biggest divisor and the reason why i gravitate more towards star wars because you know what sometimes i don't give a fuck why something does something why it certain atoms are refracted off of the light particles that cause this that make green molecules shit purple vapor that's what causes the force to repulse from them i don't care i just like a good story and when episode one comes out and it now it dazzled me with bright colors and the shinies and the cgis and they got everything represented and all the cool special effects state-of-the-art liam neeson kicking ass i mean it was just it was oh my god it was so cool and then they just destroy the story. They just George Lucas was sitting over my head while I'm watching it. And slowly but surely, I kept feeling the turds fall right down on the crown of my head. And it, <laughs> it, was, it was so bad for me to love it so much and despise it <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> I was really curious to hear you guys' take on this because I hate to just rip apart something that I love so much. But that was a shock to me, honestly. 
I think it's pretty universal that it was a shock to everyone. And I, I think you illustrated it perfectly where everyone, the collective consciousness of the world, where I, I, if you go back and you watch the videos of fan reactions before and after seeing it, there's still this general sense of euphoria that everyone's, you know, loved. Oh, this is a great movie. It's a great movie. And, and but then I think after a few weeks, when it settled in and people were so geeking out, they saw it like four or five times. Then the people started like getting rid of those nostalgic feelings and started really looking at the movie for what it is. Glenn, what what did you think? All right, what did I think? Um, boy, one of the first things I saw when I went to the theater, I'm like, what the fuck happened to Ewan McGregor? I thought he was a good actor. <laughs> and then I remembered that that's what Lucas does to actors. He makes them terrible because he gives them such wooden dialogue to speak that mm -hmm. nothing anyone says sounds sounds real. It, it's I'm just I'm reminded of what Harrison Ford said when he, when he said, he goes, George, you can type this shit, but you can't say it. And that's pretty much, it's, it's nothing, nothing sounds like an actual conversation between people. It sounds like I am simply relaying information to you to move us to the next point. Yep. Um, which does not lead for good acting. Um, or an I engaging also, anything at yeah, all. It, because it, it, it doesn't. It's just um, and, and I mean, there's the, I also, I also am going like, so wait, now that like, he like saved, like, you know, fucking Babadal's planet, they're just, they're not going to go back and get his mom? You're fucking, no, fuck you're, you're a fucking queen. You can't go <laughs> buy her? <laughs> or no, the jet, you know, please. it's like, no, apparently not. And I hated uh, the fact that I had, they had what, from the, some of the hype that you saw going in with Darth Maul being this kind of cool ass looking, you know, bad guy. And he's relegated to just basically being a dude who just does this a lot. <sighs> he kind of growls. That's all he does. He doesn't like talk. Um, like Clint Eastwood with a bunch of spikes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and they, they got someone who uh, was Ray Park, mm -hmm. who really is phenomenal uh, with his choreography. His, his sword swordsmanship is just amazing. I've seen other clips of him doing like, you know, uh, at like conventions where he's doing stuff with the, you know, basically it's plastic, but the two bladed, you know, lightsaber and everything. And it's, you had so many great little things, but he couldn't, Lucas couldn't put them together to make a good movie because Lucas has good ideas, but he has poor execution generally. Do you feel he overcomplicated everything? He did. And, uh, well, Daniel was saying that's one of the great things with Star Wars is, is, is it leaves in the originals. There were just things that were just, they were mentioned, but they didn't go in the depth. Yes, you know, I need father fought with him in the Clone Wars. And that's, it's like one of the Clone Wars. That's all you get. You don't get what they were. You don't get, you know, the force. It surrounds us and penetrates. It's just this thing. No, no, it's little dudes who live inside you. It's like little little dwarves that are in your in your stomach that just make you strong. No, what what the hell is that shit? Don't go into science now. You've never gone into science before. Don't try and do it now because it doesn't work in the Star Wars universe, especially when you're talking about something like the Force. Leave it as this mystical thing. It's like I don't know if he was like trying to distance himself from like making it like a religion because you know that's. Well, you know, I, I heard some people, you know, aren't aren't religious these days. Maybe I should go away from that and go towards science. It's like, 
It's a movie, George. You're thinking too much. It, it, or, or do you really need to go into the minutia of diplomacy between these different these different uh, federations and the and the Senate and the the overall government of the entire Star Wars universe? When the fuck did that matter at any point in any of the other films? That all of a sudden it becomes the central like motivating factor behind everything that happens in this film. Yeah. Yeah, it's ah, there's just so many things that he took a good idea and he just fucked it up, and I, I think part of it because he he's the worst kind of perfectionist. He he comes up with something and he likes it, but then he tinkers with it, and he tinkers with it, and he tinkers with it, and then he goes too far, and then in order to try to compensate for him going too far, he goes further, and it's you know he's just he keeps digging that hole deeper and deeper and deeper, not realizing that he's going the wrong way. Yeah. And that's a big thing of it. I mean, I went on a huge rant way back in the day when, when this one and the other ones came out of how, you know, George Lucas took a big shit on my childhood and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it ruined all my memories. And I'm like, and I go back on that now because he didn't ruin my memories. He, he The only one who can ruin my memories is me. I still have my memories of seeing the originals in the theater. And, and as much as I thought this movie was terrible, it didn't change how I really feel about the first one. You know, the, the real first one, that is. Uh, I, I four. <laughs> um, so, and there was a thing, too, where Lucas and other people tried to say, well, you know, you're you're looking at this as an adult. You have to realize that Star Wars and those movies were made for children. I'm like, fuck you. Empire was not a kid movie. No. Not at all. I mean, you can argue a little bit Star Wars, but not even, you know, Jedi maybe because of the freaking Ewoks, but no, I'm not buying the whole this is a kid's movie, and even if I do, doesn't mean it has to be crappy. <laughs> right. There are good right. kid movies. Well, and, and the thing is, not to completely dog the Phantom Menace, there are some really fun sections of the film. I think the pod racing is, is, is a really dynamic section. Does not need to be 20 minutes long? I don't think so. Do we need to see every single lap that's that's run of the entire race? No, I don't think so. But it, at least it's it's dynamic and it's fun. Uh, the sword fighting I thought was really interesting coming from a kung fu fan. Uh, I, I thought that was really cool. Um, it just yeah, in general, I I, I don't uh, I'm I've always been kind of a, a slight defender of the Phantom Menace because I think there are moments in it that that do harken back to the originals and do kind of have a little bit of charm um, to it. But I think it is an over long padded, uh, misguided film. Uh, Greg, your thoughts on Phantom Menace? <laughs> All right. So let me give you a little bit of background. I saw the premiere, what, 1999, 98, somewhere around there. I remember seeing the trailer and it opened up with Tatooine and Luke standing in front of the two uh, sons. And you hear that legendary music. And I freaked out. I'm like, oh, my God, here we go. Here we go. This is going to be wonderful. Yeah. So I caught the midnight showing in glorious Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I fell asleep. I uh, <laughs> kind of awoken near the end, um, caught the pod race. 
and then uh, you know the movie was over and we were all trying to regain our composure. It turned out that almost everybody in my aisle that I came passed out during it. Were, okay, were you drinking beverages no. beforehand? No, we weren't. I mean, admittedly, we were not. We were just bored. Well, what what hard drugs were you on? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> so, so what had happened was we just kind of all looked at each other, and you know, I don't think any of us wanted to say, "Well, that fucking sucked," but we <laughs> we were definitely thinking it. You didn't uh, want to believe it, right? Right. So then what we did was we went to the 2 p.m. showing the next day, hoping for a better outcome. Um, And I will let you know yet again, all of us were nodding off throughout the movie in different points. You know, the the lowest hanging fruit is obviously making fun of the the pod race. And uh, then there's another character. Um, okay, so, you know, Rastafarian, whatever the hell he was, will not take the place of Han Solo as comic relief. It won't happen. Luke right. tried it, and he lost. Bad. So, yeah, uh, I fucking I made him Jar Jar. I think the parallel is Jar Jar and C-3PO more than Jar Jar and uh, Han Solo, because I think C-3PO was always the intentional comic relief of the Star Wars universe. And uh, Jar Jar Binks kind of was because C-3PO within that first uh, episode was still kind of just being made so he wasn't really a character they replaced uh, c3po with with jar jar binks i don't know it's a scary thought though i mean i i think that you know the comic relief had to come from somewhere and unfortunately you know it, it looked like it was jar jar's uh business uh, he had no business even pulling that off because he, he wasn't that strong of a character to be able to do so effectively right I, I think, I, well, he was just so over the top and in your face from the first frame. It was kind of hard to get into the character. I mean, it's just like you get it, it just like I just watched this great documentary about um, uh, Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson called Chain, uh, Chasing Tyson about their rivalry. And uh, Mike Tyson has this great quote in it where he goes, yeah, you, you can have you can sit and train and have all the plan of attack for everything. But once you get punched in the face, there's no plans. You're just going. And that's kind of what Jar Jar Binks is, is you get punched in the face right off the bat. And you're just reeling for the rest of the film, trying to gauge what the fuck is this that I'm looking at? I just it's just not a, a good character. So, Mark, were, were you engaged by Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> I was something by Jar Jar Binks. I'm not sure what outside of going, what the hell kind of character is this doing in Star Wars? R2-D2 and C-3PO were your Abbott and Costello of sorts of the series. Mm-hmm. They, they were the characters. Totally. And if you actually watch and as we go through all six of these films, that whole series is told from the perspective of R2-D2. If you look at where all the major plot things that happen in the history, R2 is right there. You know, <laughs> so, uh, which they did keep through the prequels, which I did like. R2 is at a, each major point in history, R2 is there. But 
the problem the thing is I went into this reluctant because I was disappointed by the special editions. So what because when the special editions came out, those were some of the greatest promos ever. And I got into the theater and my buddy Jim and I, huge Star Wars fans, were like, okay. And when we came out of it, we were like, why'd he change what he did? you know and you, still, not, you didn't like those they were all right and it was great seeing the movies on the big screen but i didn't like the changes he made the 90 percent of the changes he made i didn't like the oh, extra yeah. things he put into most Eisley, the extra you know shot of java that everybody talked about that i go that's the exact same dialogue from the greedo scene why do we even have it i mean mm-hmm. he added all this he added 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 it's what you were saying uh, i think uh uh, Dan was it was tinkering. He's always tinkering and tinkering some more. And he did that with special editions. He tinkered and tinkered, yet he still missed some of the things that he could have cleaned up, like some of the special effects where the TIE fighters are flying through and you can see the matte box around. <laughs> yeah, that's how big of a Star Wars geek I am. You can see the lighter space around the TIE fighters as they fly around the Falcon, and that was still in special edition. He didn't spend $20,000 to clean that up, but no, we had to spend a million dollars so we could have eight extra cgi monsters in most icely yeah so don't more get me shit started on that don't get me started on greedo <laughs> shooting first well wait <laughs> the only reason i brought him up is because those made me leery of episode one but when i saw the trailer for it i'm like okay looks like we got a badass villain in here you and mcgregor all right you know uh, all right i can get into it and watching it I hated the fact there was so much wasted potential to do something more than what he did in that film because he, the, the, the lightsaber battle at the end with Qui-Gon and, and Obi-Wan and that loved that bit, loved that, Mm -hmm. you know, and I even enjoyed the part where they were exploring a little bit of the politics and getting into the story of how Palpatine came to power. That part was interesting for me. And then Jar Jar Binks would show up. <laughs> and I'm just like, we already have our comic relief with, you know, and that was another thing. Why, what, you know, there were a lot of questions of why when I watched it. Like, why did we have to have Anakin make C-3PO? You, you don't need Anakin to make C-3PO. You don't need to tie everything to Anakin. And that's what he was trying to do with this in the beginning. And it, it was disappointing because there was so much more to explore. And then the fact that you boiled down this really cool, fantastical, mystical idea of the force down to, well, this guy's born with more bits in his blood than this guy. I'm like, really? You know, we've gone from sensing a user in the force to we got to do a blood test <laughs> right we went from highland well, to always... eugenics <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah. i always uh, thought that the that the the jedi knights were like buddhist monks they were like the shaolin monks they were they were basically people that that used their extrasensory perception uh, to, to enlighten themselves and move to a different spiritual plane that allowed them to do things and see things from a different perspective than everyone else. Well, exactly. And, uh, exactly. And not only that, but it was just, I always took the Jedis as they'd come across someone that they had a sense that this person was actually in tune with the force, whatever that mystical force was. And they would say, hey, this guy needs to be trained, much like your samurai films where they would look at someone young fighting and they go, 
that guy's got potential. We should train him. And he totally abandoned. It felt like he almost totally abandoned his samurai roots from the first three films with this one for whatever reason to feel the need to explain it. And when you didn't, because people people were already sold on it. That's the thing with the prequels come out. You're like explaining stuff. People never asked to be explained. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's the root of the problem with episode one is that he had the idea, the story, the, the story of the prequels are the story of how Anakin Skywalker becomes Darth Vader. And unfortunately, he ended up deciding that the all the periphery information in story was more interesting than focusing on Anakin Skywalker. Which, let's be honest, that should have been like Luke was the center of the story of four. Anakin should have been the center center of the story in one. And unfortunately, in Lucas's version, he's just a blip. He's just a little blip, and he really does nothing in the film whatsoever. You you are absolutely right. We should have started and followed Anakin as a slave, feeling the hardships on Tatooine, on on the struggles his mom had. Instead, we focus mostly on Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a story a bit about Obi-Wan. And I'm like, but the prequels are all supposed to be about Anakin and we don't get Anakin to like what a third of the way into the film. <laughs> well, and then, and even in the second film, which we'll move on to shortly here, um, he's still not all that interesting of a character. And uh, in this first film, neither of the Jedi are even all that interesting of characters. Obi-Wan's <laughs> not interesting whatsoever. Dan, were you into this Obi-Wan in this film? Unfortunately, no. Uh, now, I will say Qui-Gon's character intrigued me because mm-hmm. he was that paternal figure. In, uh, in light of all of this crap, this minutia that Lucas was focusing on, I did enjoy his portrayal of Qui-Gon. Much like Ben Kenobi, you know, is this mysterious character and this father figure that obviously Luke never had. It's kind of that sense that I had with Qui-Gon. Plus, it's just... Liam Neeson played that part to me very well. He's just, he's commanding and he doesn't have to say anything. Most of, yeah. One of the first things he says out of his mouth in that movie is calm yourself, Obi-Wan, keep your mind on the present, not in the future and present ever living force, you know? And then it's just that character to me was cool because he was that fixed point. He he was the wise one. He was the master. And unfortunately, I didn't give a shit about anyone else because they didn't know nothing. I mean, Obi-Wan was kind of disappointing because he didn't do anything. It's like, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's too bad because I, I think he is a completely wasted character. Oh, God, um, yes. And, and, and we'll talk about it when we move on to uh, the next two movies. I would have much rather seen him than Samuel L. Jackson in the rest of the series, oh, but that's just my opinion. Um, but so across the board, let's let's do a thumbs up or thumbs down. Episode one, Dan, thumbs up or thumbs down? I'll give it a... Uh, I gotta give it a thumbs up. It's Star Wars. I, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You mark. You're a mark. Uh, uh, Glenn, thumbs up or thumbs down? It's a thumbs down. Greg? Thumbs down. Mark? There were potential, but thumbs thumbs <laughs> down, middle down. <laughs> Execute him. 
<laughs> the movie, not him. The movie. I'm saying, execute the movie. <laughs> yeah, the, the the bits of it I enjoyed, but it just seems so much wasted potential there, especially after you create this kind of rich, mysterious history. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to. I've always been a slight defender of this one because there is within that movie, there is a fun movie. Um, it's just bogged down and overly long with too much crap. And um, I think this is going to be an indicator of who this was supposed to appeal to, which is rather odd because there's so much like boring political garbage in this movie. But I showed this to my three daughters and they are beneath the age of eight years old and they loved Queen Amidala. They loved all her outfits. They love they always like, oh, where's the queen? Let's watch the one with the queen because they want to see all the pretty outfits and all the weird hairdos and all the, the crazy stuff. Do they know anything else that goes on in that movie? No. So there you go. That movie was about spectacle and it was about nothing else. So I guess begrudgingly, I've always kind of liked it. I think it's really not aging well at all. So I got to agree with you guys. I'm giving this one a thumbs down as well. Um, so let's go ahead and let's move on to episode two. Attack of the Clones. Johnson, would you like to try and, and devise a plot synopsis as to what Attack of the Clones is about? Yeah. Um, it, it, admittedly, it's been a while since I've seen Attack of the Clones. But um, just back up for a brief second to Phantom Menace, there is a video out there on YouTube where Lucas is scared because it's it, what they did was they showed the first screening. And then they had the camera planted on Lucas the whole time. And at the end of this, he admits that the, the film has serious flaws and the editor's just kind of nodding his head in the background. And you see George at one point do a face palm, you know. And it's, I mean, you can find it all over the place, so definitely look it up. It's on YouTube. Attack of the Clones. What I remember about the Attack of the Clones, unfortunately, is two things, I think. I remember Yoda's battle, um, and I was pretty impressed by that. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's what I remember. <laughs> well, let's, then, then I'll, get, I'll leave the, the duty up to Glenn Bittner. Glenn, Thank do you, you. want to you, give um, uh, a plot synopsis of what, what is Attack of the Clones? Uh, it is the start of people making all the absolute worst decisions they possibly can. <laughs> and the... Uh, Quickest descent from good guy to bad guy ever recorded on any medium whatsoever. That's what it is. 
Oh my god, all right. Mark the movie man, save us. What is the plot of Attack of the Clones? Um, it's the worst one that my kid really doesn't like. Oh my god, you guys are killing me. Okay, I'll do it. Fine, I'll do it. I agree with everything you're fucking saying, but I'm trying to just set up the story. Okay, so Attack of the Clones is basically set years later when uh, Anakin Skywalker has become the the Jedi apprentice of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And in the background, while Obi-Wan Kenobi and uh, (laughs) Anakin Skywalker are, I guess, guarding Padme, the queen, uh, Amidala, or whatever the fuck, I don't know, who cares? (laughs) Um, there's a plot, there's a plot going on, uh, that the Sith are making a clone army, uh, for the then ghost Sith Lord that we don't know about. Well, we all know about it because we watched the first three movies, so we know what the fuck it is. But anyways, so what ends up happening eventually, uh, there's a revolt and, uh, there is a big clone war. Yeah. It does. That makes any sense. Is there, there, no. This movie is an absolute fucking mess. Um, it is my least favorite of any of the Star Wars films. I remember when I went to go and see it in the theater, because I've seen every single Star Wars movie in the theater. I actually, along with you guys, I think somebody else said, maybe it was Mark that said, I was taken, my, my mother told me when I was a baby, she took me so she could go see uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back. So I saw, I guess, I'm I'm sure in and out of being fed uh, Empire Strikes Back in the theater. <laughs> but I also saw Return. I went to all the special editions. And uh, then I went and saw each of these in the theater when they came out. And the first one, I remember walking out thinking, oh, okay, yeah, that's that was, an, that was okay. You know, I mean, it was I wasn't over the moon about it by any stretch of the imagination. But then I saw this one. And I remember coming out, and I don't know why I thought this, but coming out, and maybe it was because it's at one point there's a Yoda battle in this film. Um, then there's a big, well, it's not big. It's it, the movie's called Attack of the Clones, and it only happens for three minutes of the movie at most. There's some battle scenes that are rather interesting, and I remember walking out going, "Ah, that was kind of cool. That wasn't too bad." But now years later, it is an abysmal film to sit through it's disjointed (laughs) there's no central story you're you're subject to the most forced romance ever put to film whatsoever as anakin is falling in love with padme because of course they have to conceive luke and leia at some point in this movie series so they gotta get they gotta hook up so what does george lucas do in between stuff that's actually kind of interesting, you know, the buildup to the Clone War, he makes us see little vignettes of of uh, Padme and Anakin Skywalker, who's now in his teens, sitting in fields of flowers and <laughs> riding like mushroom animals through fields and falling off and staring longingly and proclaiming their love to each other and all this just useless crap. Um, honestly, there's not one second of this film now when I, I can't even bring myself to watch it. It is a disjointed mess. Uh, Dan? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
this is honestly, if there was one film of this series that you could go, yeah, this is witchcraft level, it would be fucking Attack of the Clones. This, this was to me. You're right. This was disjointed, and this was the disappointing. But this is you harkened back to it whenever you know you watch the episode one and you walk out of the theater and you can't say it's a bad movie. Your, your mind will not let you comprehend this. And I've already lived, you know, we, we've already lived through, you know, Star Wars, the new hope empire and Jedi. And then we've survived Phantom Menace. And so we're like, okay, that, that was just setting the stage. That's fine. Look, it's been a few years. He's, he's got a warm up. you know, that's why right. it's only round one. This fight's still good. We still got this. This is episode two, Attack of the Clones. We got the Clone Wars. That's it, baby. You know, 20 minutes of buildup, yada, yada, yada. Anakin, Kenobi, kicking ass. He's going to want revenge for Qui-Gon. Hell, Kenobi might even go dark side for a little bit on this one. (laughs) And you read the scrolling credits, and you're like, who the shit is Count Dooku? (laughs) Who the shit is this? Where did this come from? You know, because... They have given us so much to think about, like with the original trilogy, it's like they didn't explain stuff, but that's because they didn't bombard us with all this new information. Whereas after the Phantom Menace comes out, pod racing, you know, always to there are Sith, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, okay, so we got two Sith. That's cool. And then it just kind of scrolls up. Now, all of a sudden, Anakin's grown up and he's in the Jedi Academy and Count Dooku, Separatists, Galactic Rebellion. What the hell is going on? Where's the clones? And it, it just it it didn't fit at all to me. Aside from and that, and let's just you mentioned it about Anakin and Padme. It's like I didn't like Anakin, and that's kind of tough for me since I really love Darth Vader and that character. And you know, you kind of want to get into this character, and I really didn't like Anakin at all. He was petulant. He's a petulant child. And it's uh, along with the wooden acting. I don't believe him whenever he's getting all mad. I don't believe him. It's like when he if he got mad at me, like in real life, I just punch him in the face and move on because all he's going to do is sit there and cry so that whenever he finally does snap at the end of episode two and slaughters the sand people, I don't believe it. Is you don't fall that fast so without a little something. You mentioned it, but was it Mark mentioned it before? It's like, you know, he's friends with the one of the most powerful senators in the Galactic Senate. He's friends and banging, hopefully one day going to be banging a princess. Go buy your mama back. I mean, <laughs> what what the fuck are we talking about this for? She's a slave. Go buy her back and bring her home. Do you know? What's the point? <laughs> well, what was yeah. the point of even having her be a part of anything, to be honest, is that it, it was it was such a forced backstory. Like all of it, it was it, it just showed like our problems with that first episode where they focused on things that weren't important were magnified and amplified in part two, because then he felt the need to continue with these elements that just weren't working in the first place. And it just, I I think I agree with you completely is that the Anakin character is like, he is the focus of this entire prequel trilogy. And he is just loathsome. You can't, there's nothing about him. That's interesting. You, when you, they sit and tell you kind of like, 
I know Glenn's going to remember this very well. Kind of like how we kept getting told in the witchcraft series how um, our lead was such a powerful warlock. (laughs) You keep hearing how insanely uh, the potential of Anakin Skywalker and he's the prophecy and he's like the most skilled uh, like starfighter and pilot and all this crap. And you see him and you don't believe a single bit of it. Glenn, <laughs> what did yeah. you what do you think? Oh, I mean, what do you think in ge- other than just in general about this movie, about how Anakin is hel- is like treated in this film? To me, it is absolutely lazy screenwriting. His mother is is solely exists for the purpose of giving something for him to get mad about. That's the only reason she's there, because nothing about her and, and her entire presence throughout anything else makes any sense. She's only there to be killed off so he can have his little homicidal rage tantrum. Right. Um, and it's not just Anakin that's written poorly. It's Amidala because of the fact that I understand, you know, if you love someone, you know, you can forgive them and stuff. But the whole, yeah. I just slaughtered an entire village of people, even the children. And she's like, oh, well, that's okay. Let's hug. <laughs> what the? Really? What? I mean, she's not, she's not even like the least bit concerned over what he just did. And like I said, this this movie is it's just so much of it is people making the absolute worst decisions they possibly could without having any real rational reasons to why they're acting the way they are. Mm. Um Every character just does these boneheaded things. Perhaps, perhaps Obi Wan doesn't, but again, I think he's he's wasted yet again in a movie. But like Django Fett, he's so amazing that they decided they're gonna, we're going to base our entire clone army off this guy. He's amazing. And what does he do? He goes, "Geez, you know, I got a great vantage point up here on this high ground where I can just shoot people. No, I think I'll jump down and I'll just try to you know punch toe to toe, punch punch toe to toe." With the best swordsman the Jedi have. Oh, look, my head got cut off. <laughs> I mean, really? Really? I mean, come on. It's just it's just bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And there's no real reasoning, but it's like people are going against how they how anyone should act. And that's yeah, what really it, bothered me about this movie is that it's just it, it's it, this is this is a movie where I first came up with uh, a term that I that I use is that it's my too stupid, and that is that the people in the movie are too stupid to have lived long enough to experience what's happening in the movie. These are people mm-hmm. who have already walked in front of it. You know, a, they would have walked out into a bantha crossing and got crushed to death already, or they would <laughs> actually open an airlock and judge themselves in the space. They're just too stupid to exist, <clears throat> and it really, really ruins any chance of a good story when people are this dumb or credibility amongst the characters themselves i mean let's let's before i move on to the rest of the crew i mean let's just go straight towards when obi-wan uh meets jango fett and and boba fett and uh, is on geonosis and is talking with the geonosians about the clone army the entire time he he looks at the he he has the worst poker face I've ever seen in of anybody and he's just kind of like oh well yeah what you said 
the entire time. And these people are like, okay, well, let's just keep showing you General Kenobi, all this stuff. And you're like, you just don't believe any of it. It just, none of it rings true. It feels like a super, super fake movie. Like, I mean, it is Star Wars. It's stupid to say stuff like this. But really, when you check out of a movie because you're you're picking apart and you think everything that the people are doing is stupid. It's hard to be engaged. It's really hard to be engaged with characters you don't believe. Uh, and it was it was really disheartening because I mean, I, fanboy service. Somebody called me a mark. Anyway, I'll admit it. But I mean, Christopher Lee could play Job of the Hut, and he would make him demeaning it would make him awesome and he would have a gentlemanly air so i mean you could hear him go, he goes Unta, solo and you would pay attention because it's christopher goddamn lee right and you're going to listen to what he says i was fascinated by that character and they just shoehorn him in and and he does nothing and he does nothing he fights yoda yoda calls him by old padawan and it's like, oh my God, they were, he learned, Dooku was like evil and he fires lightning and he, I mean, I'm sitting there thinking he is going to be, he is Darth Sidious. This is, is Christopher Lee is the ultimate bad guy, which is so yeah, cool because yeah. Peter Cushing was Grand Moff Tarkin and nothing. So, I mean, that's, I just had to spit that out. Sorry. I just, I'm really burned about that because I love Kenobi and I love Dooku and I'm shafted yet again. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's hard not to get super pissed because seriously, this is hands down the worst film of the entire series. Mark, what I keep hearing you exhaling over and over and over again, Mark, let loose on Attack of the Clones. Uh, Attack of the Clones is the one where he pretty much, well, this whole prequel, but this one especially completely negates pretty much anything he set up in A New Hope. <laughs> I, I mean, you mentioned the Clone Wars. And for me, uh, I did read some things after Jedi, and there was a great dark horse comic series that ran oh, I think yeah. it was a four or six piece it was dark empire i wanted that to be a movie mm -hmm. that storyline was fantastic and one of the things they explored in it because up until that point clone wars wasn't ever really explored was the fact that Palp Palpatine, and this is going to spoil the comic a bit for you, but Emperor Palpatine was actually still alive. And the way he did that was he was so strong with the Force that he was able to transfer his consciousness into a clone of him that was made. And that was kind of where I thought the Clone Wars were, where the Jedis and the Sith were so powerful were able to hop into other clones and fight or, you know, along that lines. And that whole storyline was great. You had actually Luke working with the emperor so he could learn the emperor's secrets so he could take the emperor down finally. And there was just a great storyline in dark empire. So clone wars comes out and first thing, yeah, we've got Anakin who's just a whiny bitch, uh, you know, doing things that you're like, really you've gone this long you know and and, and you're older now and obi-wan is still you know kind of just there <laughs> you know they don't do a whole lot with him he kind of becomes a little bit of the comic relief and then i'm like and r2d2 has suddenly rockets on his legs where the fuck did those come from <laughs> and then no the Death Star was not designed by some very smart 
uh, egotistical imperial. It was designed by some bug dude in an anthill. I, I'm, like, I'm like, why do we have to? Why do we have to connect again? It was just like with Phantom Menace. Why do you have to connect? Try to connect everything to the original trilogy four five and six why does everything i mean we're talking these are events that take place 18 years before a new hope so you don't need to connect everything also and it was brought up i saw in a thread one time took them 18 fucking years to build the first death star but that second death star man they whipped that puppy out in five you know (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean there were so many things wrong with this that they could have done better. <laughs> and this one was really where the CGI, I mean, even more so than the first one, where you could see they were using CGI for everything. Everything. It, they literally, this was the film in which they stopped using practical location and they just stuck to green screen and it was apparent and i mean it's so much apparent that all of a sudden yoda is no longer a puppet which they got rid of when they re-released uh these films in um on blu-ray where they got rid of the puppet which is fine because that puppet was god awful oh it was awful i mean in phantom menace he was a puppet but then when they released it on blu-ray they got rid of the puppet and put the cgi yoda in so Attack of the Clones really is the introduction of CGI Yoda. Welcome. And that's what everything that's that's the one other thing about this film that just doesn't ring true is that it all feels really stilted, super, super stilted, because we have a bunch of actors that are all like post comped together into scenes instead of actually interacting with mm-hmm. physical, tangible things. And it just, it just so indicative of how this feel, film does not feel genuine. Greg, you are the last one who hasn't had their say about Attack of the Clonies. Go for it. You can probably guess, but I guess the only thing that I really got to say is that to me, it still feels like, you know, a really, really bad high school production of Hamlet. <laughs> so I'll leave it at that. I mean, you know, I, I think I think what Lucas was going for at that point, I think he wanted either you know Greek tragedy or Shakespearean tragedy. He got a obviously, tragedy. Obviously, he didn't have the lines to back that up. You know, um, and again, I'll just say, uh, as far as YouTube stuff goes, there is a wonderful bit of. Um, I believe it's Ewan trying to get through lines and can see him holding back laughter because it's between him, um, Padme, and uh, good old... Oh, Christian Hayden. Christensen. Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ed Shakespeare. Well, it's, it's, it's another film where he deconstructs the things that he set up in the other one. I mean, he... <laughs> Here, you know how it's special they make lightsabers in the original trilogy? This is your father's lightsaber, and Vader has a specific lightsaber. And, and they, they each built. That they each built themselves that's attached to them. And that's explored even in the expanded universe at this point, that they, that's a special lightsaber. When we come to find out that the lightsaber Luke has just happens to be the last lightsaber his dad held, because apparently... 
they lose lightsabers on a daily basis in battle, right. and they just get tossed another one. Right. And I'm they're just over there. They're in that trunk by the door. Just grab one of your way out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally. They get them you at know, vending machine. You know, and in those battles, that blew me away because I'm like, that totally deconstructs the specialness that you're supposed to have with this is your father's lightsaber. I'm like, no, that's just the last lightsaber he held before he got aced. I'm like, <laughs> he's gone through a number of them, you, you know, and and I understand that, and that's fine, but then don't establish in the original trilogy how special these lightsabers are supposed to be to one another. If you want good Clone Wars story, Check out the two series of Cartoon Network cartoons that were done that were done by the same guys who do Samurai Jack. That first set. I'm not talking about the series that came later on. I'm talking about that first series that came in out between Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith. That series is phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) It's awesome. Wholeheartedly, it, it remedies all of the problems of Attack of the Clones. And may it, you, one, you have engaging characters. Two, you get introduced to all of the periphery characters, and they're actually engaging as well, where not a single thing in Attack of the Clones is engaging or even remotely entertaining. So before we move on to uh, Revenge of the Sith, boys, let's do a thumbs up, thumbs down the same way we did with the last one. Dan, we'll start with you. Thumbs up or thumbs down on Attack of the Clones. All right. I went up with The Phantom Menace, and I would go up because of Christopher Lee, but unfortunately, I can't. I've got to go thumbs down. I mean, I've got to do it. i got to go thumbs down on it. Yeah, horrible stuff. Glenn? The only way my thumb could be low enough down is if I chopped it off and flush it down the toilet. Yeah, yeah. I feel you on that one. Uh, Greg? Yeah, that's a that's that's an international. The poopy sound is the international sound of thumbs down. Mark's the movie man. Thumbs up or thumbs down? I I don't even give it a thumbs anything because that would give it too much credit. Yeah, uh, I can't, again potential there, and it's just wasted on. I don't know what he was trying to do, but it it sure didn't make up for things that he stumbled on in Phantom Menace and it really doesn't set much up at all for Revenge of the Sith. It's just there. You know, and the yeah. Clone Wars, yeah, it's you you give it that title and what? Last 5 minutes of the movie. <laughs> is is the Clone War. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with you, Mark. I think it's it's totally this is the the film that feels like some bad fan fiction uh, was written and made into a movie. Attack of the Clones, chop my thumb off and let it hit the ground. It's as as down as it possibly could be. Really bad, really bad stuff. So let's pass that aside. And let's move on to episode three.
just getting into the room now. Good friend of Astro Radio Z. You've listened to him many, many times on the show in the past. Mr. Andrew Shearer of Gonzarific Films is here. How are you doing, sir, tonight? I'm good, man. How y'all doing? How everybody doing? We're here. Silence. <laughs> doing great. Doing great. Hey, hey, could I say something about Attack of the Clone? Just, just two, just, just like a second, just like a, you know. Go I'll for it. it. Go right ahead. I, here, here's what I thought after I saw it. I was like, you know how, like Darth Vader became mostly a robot, and then like, you know, they say he's more machine than man, right? That's kind of how those movies did. Like Star Wars started out like all cool, and then they turned into fucking you know all the cgi and stuff you know it's kind of like a metaphor for darth vader you know yeah oh, I, I agree it, it it did feel a rather robotic unemotional exercise attack of the clones i mean it's as i couldn't be more unattached to a film if at all possible and that's yeah. it's super sad so moving on to revenge of the sith uh andrew do you want to give the plot synopsis of what uh revenge of the sith is yeah, man. Okay. Well, this is episode three of Star Wars prequel trilogy. And in this one, Anakin Skywalker makes his full transition into the villain we know as Darth Vader. And uh, we find out how he got to be all fucked up. And um, Obi-Wan has a lot to do with it. Obi-Wan, what an asshole. Did you like this one, Andrew? No, dude. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I liked it better than the the other two. You know, like if I was to put them in order, I'd be like three, one, two, or whatever. But it was just mostly like, what you got to do is look at it like, all right. If I didn't know anything about these movies, if I, if Episode Four, Five, Six had never, you know, what I'm saying like, if I'd never seen yeah. them, would this be a good movie? And I, I'd be like, no. You know, I mean, it'd be like, I just would. <laughs> it's that ending, right? Uh, where, where, and I'm sorry, jump ahead if you guys were like dissecting it and shit, but like, you know, when they were cutting, where he's like chopping his legs off and all of that shit, I was like, would this matter to me if, you know, like if, if I didn't know the whole story, you know what I'm saying? Like from being a kid and everything, that's the question you really got to ask when you're like evaluating it as a movie, you know? Yeah. I think that's a good way to look at the, the prequel trilogy in general is that it's hard for us. And I said this earlier because all of us grew up at the time that the original trilogy were coming out. So those are the original films to us. Now, a whole new generation. These are the films that they've been exposed to, that they watched and started their Star Wars fascination with. It's hard to wrap your head around, but it is the truth. Now, it's hard to wrap your head around thinking, how would anyone really get into this? with these really bad films it's it, it's really hard thing to grasp because honestly the first two as we had discussed are were rather disjointed films and i know this is going to come as a shocker because when i did my marathon as everybody did you know leading up to the force awakens here in the last couple of weeks i skipped episode one and two because i had watched it with my girls earlier in the year as I was attempting to seat gauge if they were going to be into Star Wars whatsoever. And uh, as I said, they were into the outfits. They weren't into the films. Um, but uh, I decided to start uh, last week watching episode three. And um, of the three, this one's aged the best. 
I think of all of them, it's the only film of the trilogy where you have any sort of story arc where um, any sort of real conflict happens where any sort of emotional engagement is present. Um, is it overlong? Yes. Is it clunky at times? Yes. Um, but I got to say, of the three, I actually kind of like Revenge of the Sith. Uh, Greg, what do you think of this one? Last 20 minutes for me. Probably the best thing about it. Is it, it what the lightsaber battle or what? No, the, yeah, the lightsaber battle and then actually fall into what was it? It was a volcanic area, more or less. And then, right. you know, seeing actually what ended up happening to Vader to make him who he was. It was probably the first time within the three films that I felt an emotional connection. What I will say is that when I saw Vader get up, you know, they have that little beat where he rises, more or less. That nailed me. So actually seeing Vader up on his feet, then it was like, okay, we're home again. Um, right. But the rest of it, again, I mean, Portman's a wonderful actress. Not, right? not in these films. Not in these films. No, but it's not her fault. I mean, she, she's she's too she's too good. Um, but yeah, she was. She listened too much to Lucas because, as I said earlier, I still feel this way. It's like two and three to me are just really, really bad high school Shakespeare. You know, without the right. dialogue. <laughs> Very wooden. I think I agree with you. I, and I think rewatching it now um, of the three, um, there's just uh, part three has a lot of really cool set pieces. As I mean, we're not talking about the story. We're just talking about there's cool shit that happens, like that opening space battle is really visually interesting to look at. Dan, when you, you when you finally got through Attack of the Clones and you got to this third part, did you feel like this movie uh, was a little bit of a redemption to this prequel trilogy, or did you still kind of think it was meh? I really, really enjoy this one. It was, I mean... Uh, you already mentioned how it's, you know, now I've got an emotional attachment. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've said before, I like Kenobi and <coughs> I want to like Anakin and watching the Clone Wars cartoon. I like Anakin and I like Ben Kenobi I, or excuse me, General Kenobi. I like them. I like their interaction. I like how they're friends. This movie actually helps redeem this. I like Dooku and I am shat upon because Dooku is dead within 15 minutes of the damn thing. Right. So there goes that wonderful character who, you know, Christopher Lee's, you know, his awesome demeanor on screen gone. So, okay, whatever. Hey, life sucks. So we can move on. I really enjoyed it, but the emotional connection, my biggest grievance with this film is that nobody falls that far that fast. How do you spend one minute? You're saving your best friend and that's fine. It's his best friend, but you know, he's looking at Palpatine who is conveniently now changing his voice when he wants Anakin to do something bad. You know, he's like, leave him here. Anakin will be dead. He's like, no, he will share the same fate as us. And he's like, leave him. And he's like, who the hell are you? You know, is we're supposed to, Oh wait. So that's not Darth Sidious. Okay. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> but regardless, 
all of a sudden he slaughters kids. You don't, I don't care what kind of a person you are. You are a sick bastard to slaughter younglings in a temple. And that was my only grievance because the last 20 minutes of that film, man, that the saber fight, that battle between Kenobi and Anakin was so epic. I mean, that was just so monumentally awesome and cool to watch. But then order 66, I mean, I actually felt kind of bad for the Jedi because, which is pretty cool because considering I'd seen Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, I'm really starting to not like the Jedi at all. And yeah, they kind of made them into like pompous dicks. Yeah, they did. And when, you know, execute order 66, I not only feel bad for the little bird lizard that Kenobi's riding, but I mean, I'm feeling bad for all the Jedi that are getting slaughtered. But see, again, to me, it was shoehorned in. Kenobi says in episode in number four on A New Hope, the Jedi now are all but extinct. That the way he says it, like, implies that it, it's been an ongoing thing. Episode three hell them they kill them all in like 15 minutes right <laughs> and yeah. it's like they're slaughtered and done and it's and it's sad it, it's a terrible thing but again i just feel like it, uh, the whole thing with me these three these prequels they were rushed yeah. ultimately through and through it was totally rushed because while there were glimmering shining moments of redemption and hope for these movies. Like I said, finally episode three, Kenobi is awesome. Like he's finally cool. I'm some people. I mean, I'd even heard it mentioned that, you know, Anakin falls and it's all Kenobi's fault. I had actually never thought of it from that angle because the whole time I'm mad at Anakin because I'm not emotionally attached with him. All I've seen him do was whine and bitch and moan. And now, you know, all this bad stuff's happening. I'm like, well, if you'd have been listening to Obi-Wan, I think you would have been okay. But, I like well, them. It's just too little too late by now. <laughs> yeah, I think I agree with you. I On the point that, you know, and it, sometimes I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, Obi-Wan was a total. I think Obi-Wan's character in this film was just a character that was caught in the middle and was trying to do right by by Anakin. But he's also, you know, caught in the middle of all of these other Jedi dicks that basically just want to just kind of want to like use their power to stomp on him a little bit. So I thought this was the first time where the the Obi-Wan character kind of had had me where the other two films, he was just nothing. He was absolutely nothing in them. Well, Obi-Wan in this one felt like Obi-Wan. He he was doing things that you could see Obi-Wan doing, questioning, you know, not being a yes man anymore for the council and and realizing things, you know, things are starting to head down real quick and nobody's listening to him. You know, and like you said, he's kind of caught in the middle. He's just trying to make keep the peace and, and keep things together. And nobody's allowing him to basically <laughs> do that. Meanwhile, he's got, you know, Anakin who, yeah, he makes the quickest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Padme could die because of a vision I had. So I'm going to kill younglings. Really? <laughs> That's the buildup. I mean, first off, like it's been said, we, we've had this kind of forced relationship with Padme to begin with. that never really felt too genuine. 
um, you know, it, it felt a little contrived. <laughs> and so you're not really sold into it. And here he, okay, he's deep in love. And you're telling me that, you know, I don't care how dumb and whiny he is that, oh yeah, uh, by the way, this guy can show you, you know, the ways of the, the force to save her, but you got to go kill all these kids and all these Jedi. And he's like, okay. <laughs> doesn't even real question it i never felt any fight in him even when mace is is you know we finally get to see mace kind of in action and they they try to make him not go out like a little bitch uh which he still kind of does but not i mean he almost has the emperor dead you know and all it yeah I mean, too little, too late. It really is with this. Though I will say, out of the three, I do enjoy this one the most, especially because of that saber fat battle, but mo- also because everything kind of felt, at least with this one, felt like it, it flowed more into the original trilogy, where the other twos really didn't. Uh, uh, you, you know, the other two prequels really didn't. This one at least feels like it kind of fit more into it. But you still make Vader a, a wuss. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate because, like, like Dan said, with or or was it Greg? I forgot which one of you guys said that with that that shot where he, the mask comes down and it attaches. He starts breathing, and then the the platform comes up. Two magnificent shots. Oh yeah, it's just like it's hard not to go. Oh fuck yeah. Well, yeah, but immediately it negated. Immediately negated by Darth Vader being a whiny little bitch. No, it doesn't. It doesn't match anything else in the movies, though. Like it doesn't match any. Like it, it. The design of Vader doesn't match the design of anything else in the prequels. It's like you know what I mean. It yeah. seems weird. It, it seems like what the fuck is this now? You know what I'm saying? Like, why does technology all of a sudden look like the 70s? Right. Well, and it doesn't even match Vader's design in the next film no. because there's there's gray marks on his outfit. We're in A New Hope, which we'll get to soon. It's all black. So it doesn't even match that. In rewatching it this last week, there is only one other thing that design wise matches the next film is. Um, uh, the one senator, and I forget his name now, it's the ship that opens up A New Hope, uh, where oh yeah, they attack. That ship in the interior, that ship is in episode three near the end when they escape. Mm-hmm. And it, like Andrew said, it doesn't match anything, anything in the rest of that series. And it just like there's there's no transition in in general. I think everything is just like plot wise and is just so forced like you. It, it's kind of like my problem when they decided to make m- the machete movies, uh, not to be completely off base here. But uh, <laughs> when they when they when Grindhouse did those uh, trailers and then decided, OK, we're going to make an actual film off of this trailer. And all you had were, well, this happened in the trailer, this happened in the trailer, this happened in the trailer, and this happened in the trailer. Now, how do we write a story that ties that all together? So it's like you are immediately shoehorned in to having things have to happen as opposed to letting a story organically mold and flow into something. And that felt like everything about these prequels was just 
well, we have to go from point A to point B, and these things all were a part of this this world. How do we make these? How do we explain these things? And how do we we get to this point without any real like flow or in, emotional engagement? Uh, Glenn, you haven't gotten your your piece yet. This re- redeem anything for you in any way? Okay, saying this redeems <coughs> it's, it's yes, it, it, but that's like. It's like saying, so Attack of the Clones was someone shitting in my mouth. But I feel redeemed with this one because they're only peeing in my ear. <laughs> um, there's just so many things. I mean, one of the biggest things has already been hit on a lot of the whole, oh my god, what did I do? I just killed I just killed Samuel L. Jackson. I can't believe I did that. Go kill kids. Yeah, okay, that seems like the most re- reasonable thing. Yeah, sure. That's exactly what you're, you're, right. you're right. I'll do that. Um, and on top of that, and it's it's I, I summed this up a long time ago. It's like uh, so basically, this movie is. How you doing? My name's Yoda. I can detect the slightest change in your personality, such as things that might lead to you having anger or hate. But I can't detect a plot that involves millions of people in the galaxy to kill off my entire order. That that's completely. I I can't detect any of that, even though apparently these clones, every single one of them has an order implanted in their head. Who knows how many people are involved? But no, I, I missed that. Sorry, my bad. I'm gonna go hang out in the swamp now. And, and Obi Wan. I mean, yes, the, the final lightsaber scene is great, until Obi Wan's like, "You were like a brother to me, a brother I'm gonna leave limbless at the edge of a volcano." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> it's like beast, dude. Fuck you. I'm out. Yeah, I'm, you know it's ah. volcano. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's also fucking ridiculous. The entire thing. We knew that's what what had happened, but when you finally saw it, see, I'm gonna be probably the lone man out here. I think that that end sword battle goes on way too far. Oh yeah, it does long. go on way too long. And, and the other thing with the ending, too, is the whole, um, you know, telling him that, you know, uh, Padme died and and the children died. It's like, and the Emperor never bothered to actually see if that if the kids did die. They never bothered to check up on that, you know, because it's not like, you know, the children of, you know, a very, very powerful Jedi might come back and bite you in the ass someday and get you thrown down a reactor shaft. <laughs> on top of the fact that, you know, they hid Luke so well by hiding him under his his real last name <laughs> with, with, with relatives <laughs> on Anakin's home planet. Yes, on his home. I mean, really, you know. And then you know, Obi Wan just like, and I'll just change my name to Ben, and they'll never know. Yep, yep. Obi Wan Kenobi, no. There's a Ben Kenobi, but that couldn't possibly, couldn't possibly yeah. be the same guy. Yeah. He's literally the only Kenobi in the entire known universe. It can't possibly be him. We, we were, we, we were like talking him. about the other day, and we're like, it's like Kenobi, like the space version, the Star Wars version of Smith. Kenobi, there's like a billion of them. There's <laughs> <laughs> so many Kenobis. It's, you can't possibly track them down. There's there's a band's name, Too Many Kenobis. <laughs> oh man oh man agreed i think you know i i did say i i, I like this one but i think i agree i also agree with you guys it just it just they shoehorn too much shit in and at this point you're just looking for anything that's going to sustain you but 
I still do feel, regardless of the fact that it doesn't, none of these films feel like the original trilogy did in tone or anything. Um, this was a uh, this film out of the three. If you're going to watch any of the three, at least from my perspective, this is the one to watch because really you don't need to know anything else that happened before the two of these. You can go straight from here into the rest of the the series and you'll be just fine. So let's go ahead and give our thumbs up or thumbs down on uh, Revenge of the Sith. We'll start with Mark. Thumbs up or thumbs down. I uh, gotta give it a thumbs up. Uh, out of the three films, this one, yeah, you could watch this one and then go right into the original uh, trilogy. Though I still have a problem with it, but we'll get to that when we get to the other films. But <laughs> I, I, if I had to choose out of the three, this one would be the thumbs up one. Cool, uh, Greg. Thumbs down. The last twenty minutes doesn't save for the what two and a half hour run time. Yeah. Yep. So Greg says, do a fan edit, watch the last 20 minutes, and that's it. Uh, Andrew, you're up. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, it's thumbs down for me. I just didn't have any fun with it, really. You know, it was more of just interesting because I wanted to see what happened with Darth Vader. You know, how, like, they, you know, make him all Frankenstein at the end. But it's just not good. It doesn't, I don't know. I with uh, digital, like seeing it in HD, as opposed to having seen it in a theater where I think that was before DCP, so they had 35 millimeter transfer. It didn't look as shitty as it looks now. Like if you watch it in HD, oh, like absolutely, a, it's a terrible looking movie. And on top of all that stuff, I just think it's a good example of all of these of nobody saying shit to uh, George Lucas, and he's you know he's just like walking through it. And if you know, he, he just, I mean, the next, you know, like the, the newest one that's out now shows you, uh, I, I walked out of that thinking, why in the hell didn't they do this, you know, 20 years ago? <laughs> I think it's, it, you can see if you watch any of the behind the scenes documentaries that are attached to the prequels, he you can care. see, the, well, he didn't care. He's very arrogant, but also the producers and the side people around him all look petrified. Yeah. No one's going to tell him, Hey man. Every these movies are a bunch of Jedi council meetings and Senate hearings. Kids don't want to see that shit. Nope. So you didn't give your thumbs up or thumbs down on the on the first two films. Are you giving thumbs down across the board on the prequels? Yeah, man. I mean, I <laughs> I just don't. I my my problem is they didn't match. Like they just didn't seem like Star Wars movies. You know what I mean? Like they just. I was like, why is everything all new and shit? It's supposed to be old. It, like, you know what I mean? Like, it didn't it just? It's not a good bridge into the ones that we're so familiar with you know mm-hmm. yeah there's it's no not, real transition like, yeah it just seemed like somebody else made movies based on it or something like that you know like you could almost just not watch them and still have a good time with star wars like pretend they don't exist you know? yeah i agree i agree completely glenn thumbs up or thumbs down i have to go thumbs down it's as anderson is a fit they really all three of the movies really end up doing Nothing to the overall Star Wars story. No, nope. I mean, other than clouding it up. Other than clouding it up, because we already, I mean, we already knew Anakin was Vader. We already knew that. And yeah. all you did was was take things that were just there and accepted, and you made them seem not not real. Less cool. Much less cool. It's like someone told the story, and you know, it's if if they had if like Obi Wan had sat Luke down and told him these stories like this, Luke had been like, "All right, you are 
you are fucking crazy, old man. Uncle <laughs> Owen is right. You are just a crazy old man. I'm out of here. Because there's yeah. no, really? Really? My dad just, like, on a whim just killed, like, 100 children just because some, some creepy dude told him to? What? I don't think that's right. And and you just left my dad at the edge of a volcano to die? Oh, what the hell's wrong with you, dude? What is that? <laughs> And you took his lightsaber and like left it in a box for me. Damn, great. Yeah, the hands in there too. The loudest mic drop of all time is Ben Kenobi chopping his legs off, then then basically in his face saying, See, sucker, what did I tell you? Peace. And then turning around and just walking away (laughs) as Darth Vader's on fire. Hey, you know what, really, man? I don't see how anyone thought anybody would be interested in the three-film story of the galaxy's biggest asshole. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well. speaking of which, Dan said he was totally jacked about this story. Um, ultimately, Dan, what did you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down on Revenge of the Sith? Ultimately, I will give it a thumbs up. And the reason that I have to is just because because there are the little things in the movie that, and it's been mentioned, we already know the story, so we don't need it. We already know. If anything, you can watch this, and it'll make you appreciate the originals all the much more. <laughs> because you go, you got the shiny veneer, and as you said, there's no transition between it. That's fine. But there, to me, are still elements that I actually enjoy in the movie for once is the relationship between Kenobi and Anakin for once there's a reason to care even if Anakin just goes from petulant little crybaby to youngling mass murderer still there's something in there and it's also the music the music in this one was pretty good and I say that because there is a definite emotional twinge to it when they hit order 66 and everyone dies john williams's score immediately shunts into that minor harmon the excuse me the minor harmony and he starts lacing in a little bit of a choir to it and you don't hear this choir in the music again until the end of return of the jedi when luke takes the well it's uh, it's actually in reverse because you've already heard the choir in return of the jedi yep. Anyway, when Luke takes the fight to Vader in Jedi, you hear that male choir. You don't hear that any, any at all until the part in Revenge of the Sith, or, you know, in the third one, you'll hear that choir again when he's, when Anakin's marching into the temple, and then when they're executing Order 66, all the Jedi are dying, you hear that choir. And what happens when you hear that choir, you see Yoda clutch his heart and fall and to me that's an emotional transition which makes that battle between kenobi and anakin that much more epic other than the fact that that was just a really goddamn epic fight anyway (laughs) so yeah ultimately i will have to give this one a thumbs up i feel for what they did right it's worth watching Keep a grain of salt, but still, I'm sorry. No, with you being a soundtrack guy, I'm a huge soundtrack fanatic. And my disappointment in the prequels as well was that, I mean, people I think are afraid to admit that Williams is getting old 
Uh, <laughs> and yeah. with, with the original trilogy, he could do no wrong. Every single piece just about out of that three films are just ones I could listen to over and over. I've listened to the prequel soundtracks a few times, and he has one or two tracks in there that, of course, are the popular ones. But it looks like he lost the, the, the knack for giving you a really true good standout theme. And the only good parts in any of the prequel music is like when he reverts back to stuff he brought up in the original trilogy. Well, I mean, that's the, it. you know, well, the, how could he build anything, Mark, when there's so much fucking talking going on all the time, yeah. there's no room for a soundtrack. You're yeah. right. And because the only time you hear him sing again, going back to the choirs, mm-hmm. sometimes it's less is more because those choirs at the end of Jedi, they're not even saying anything. They're mm-hmm. humming. You hear them slowly build in like it's called it's I don't even know the proper musical term, but it's like a legato format form that you do with your strings. You slowly build the dynamic in with the volume, but his choirs are humming. And the only other time we hear the choirs is when they're going during the Darth Maul fight in episode one. They're shouting at us, just like the whole movie was shouting at us. By the episode three, that's when you hear the choirs. And again, it's just the emotions. I'm sorry, I'm rambling. Thumbs up. I, I just, I have to just, like I said, for what they did right, I enjoyed it, even though they screwed everything up. <laughs> hey, hey what, what do y'all think Order 69 might be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's when Barbarella comes in yeah. with her team oh, and it, yeah. it executes a bunch of scissor action on with Galaxiana or Galaxiana Galaxina <laughs> Galaxina thank you Galaxina comes in and then Emperor Palpatine has a big mass orgy in his quarters right on <laughs> there you go <laughs> So, so I'll, I'll wrap it up. Uh, I, I wish I could have seen uh, Order sixty nine. That would have been quite amazing. Um, but it was in the porn parody. Yeah, I think exactly. it's just uh, sweet and sour chicken. But you know, <laughs> I I gotta agree with Dan here. I think um, ultimately, and this only I actually before I rewatched it last week. This was the least that was the film of the prequels I watched the least because I just didn't get into it. When I went to the theater and I saw it, I just I walked away. Maybe I was just so crushed by the first two that this was just like, I don't give a fuck anymore. And uh, when I rewatched it this week, because now I uh, my girlfriend and I have put this home theater in the in the basement. So we have this huge screen and uh, the surround systems hooked in. And watching it, I think part three is pretty fun to watch. Is uh, is it good in a sense of compared to the other films we're about to talk about? Actually, all of the rest of the films we're going to talk about, um, no. It's it, it's tonally completely different. And one of the things we didn't really talk about, which I kind of want to just bring up for a second, is that. Yoda is a completely different character mm-hmm. in these films. He doesn't feel like Yoda. The only way he feels like Yoda is that they give him the same broken language. And half the time, it feels so forced. It, it, it just like you, it's painful to watch Yoda in these movies, especially when he starts fighting and he's it, it just like, it, 
Yoda is my favorite thing in all of Star Wars. So that was really fucked me up. Man. If, if and I, I heard can, they... I'm sorry, guys. I, and I'm really sorry to interrupt. I have to hang up, y'all. I'm, I got to work tomorrow. Right on. I'm I'm really sorry. It, <laughs> I could go on and on about this stuff, but I got to go to bed, y'all. <laughs> All right, Dan. I I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, no, we'll, hopefully you. we'll have you on. No, I was just saying thank you so much. I mean, I I feel like a dick having to duck out and just you know stick it around for <clears throat> the fun stuff where we get to rip this to shreds and not even talk about the original, the great ones. But y'all, uh, you've already gathered what I'm going to give. Everything's going to be thumbs up. I don't care. Uh, you can say whatever you want to say about Star Wars. It doesn't matter. The prequels don't count. Episode four, five, and six, and episode seven, I would give eight thumbs up for all four movies. I'll give it 13 thumbs up because they deserve it. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that's all. It's Star Wars, and I don't care what anybody says about it. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Derek. I, I just, I, again, I really, I'm sorry I got to duck out. No, it's perfectly okay. And why don't you right now give – how about you say um, – Give a give a little promotion to your podcast real quick before you duck out, because uh, we'll take a break here right after Dan says goodbye. Dan, where can the listeners of Astro Radio Z find the Night Keep and find any of your uh, soundtrack work or any of the things that you do? Uh, the easiest thing to find me, if you want to hear the music, go to nightkeep.com. If you want to read my ramblings or whatever, you can find me on Twitter at the nightkeep. Um, if you like death metal, you can go to throneofanguish.com. And if you want to read death metal rantings, you can find me at Throne of Anguish. Um, so, I mean, you can find me. If you find me on Twitter, you'll find something. That's about all I ever talk about is music and nerd shit. So. <laughs> Sounds awesome, dude. As always, thank you for coming on. And uh, we'll have you back on Astro Radio Z soon. That's great, man. Thank you. Thank you all very much. And I'll holler at y'all later. Peace. So on that note, we, let's let's take a short break, folks. And then when we come back, we're going to sit and gush for the rest of the entire <laughs> fucking show. So uh, here, listen to some of this Star Wars beautiful music, and we'll be right back. 